This episode of the Italian Wine Podcast is brought to you by the new book, Sangiovese, Lambrusco, and Other Vine Stories. Researchers Attilio Scienza and Serena Mazio explore the origin and ancestry of European grape varieties in a tale of migration, conquest, exploration, and cross-cultural exchange. Hardback available on Amazon in Europe, Kindle version available worldwide. Find out more at italianwinebook.com. Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Warden. My guest today is India's first Master of Wine. Her name is Sonal Holland, Master of Wine. Welcome. Hi, pleasure to be here, Monty. Thanks for coming. So we're going to talk a little bit about you and wine in India and also Italian wine in India. That's okay with you. Great topic. Let's let's go on with okay, it. Okay, so where, where's the best place to start? Talk about you first, about how you got into wine and why you did the MW. And I got into wine about 12 years ago, so not that long ago, actually. And it happened, obviously, over a glass of wine, how cliched, but... Uh, a point had come in my career, in my corporate career, where I was looking to reinvent myself and do something entirely unexplored and, you know, swim uncharted territories. What so was your previous career? I used to be in a proper corporate. My last job before I reinvented myself into wine was with an ASDAC-listed Fortune 500 multinational company where I was a director of sales. I'd been with them for six, seven years, traveled all around the world. It was a rewarding job. Really good. No reasons to complain. But uh, somehow I felt something was lacking and I was... You know, I just felt like I wasn't doing something that would allow me to project my skills and my and my talent, if I may dare say, to to, to the extent that I would have liked at the time. And uh, I just decided to quit my corporate career and look to do something else. Were and, they surprised? You know, this this idea and the seed was planted by my husband. Actually, he's British. That's where I get this exotic name from, Holland. And he walked in one day with a with an article written by Jancis Robinson in FT.com. And he said to me, you know, you should check her out. You should see what she's doing. And she's she's a great name in the wine industry, but UK based. And she's a master of wine. You should see what it what it means to be a master of wine. And I Googled Jancis and I was obviously hugely inspired by by the volume of work she was putting it even even back then, even more so now. But uh, I then read up a little bit about a master of wine. And I realized that trying to become a master of wine is probably harder than trying to climb Mount Everest, so it's somehow it, it, uh, the opportunity to try and be India's first master of wine struck my imagination. I got I got gripped with the idea, and from there on began my journey in the world of wines. And obviously, you know, my first natural step was to learn about wines, so WSCT in London was a natural choice. But I realized very quickly that I enjoy wines, you know, and this is my calling. And this, this is, I'm on the, yeah, I got lucky, I suppose. Yeah, really. So I got to live my dream thereafter. So. Okay. And now you've developed, I mean, obviously, you were, as you said, you were a successful businesswoman before. Mm. You've now got your own company or companies. Yes. So tell us what you get up to. So, you know, India is a very nascent uh, market for wines. It's growing exponentially, but it's still a new, new market for wines. And I feel that... Uh, it's important to be doing everything rather than just one thing and, you know, because there's no depth in the market yet. And depth is something that will come with years. So right now what we have is there are loads of opportunity and everything is like a blank canvas, right? So anybody can come in and paint any picture. So I I had the choice to decide whether I wanted to do one thing and do a lot of that one thing or just wanted to spread myself out and 
you know, spread my wings and try and establish myself in different different areas of work. And I chose the latter because there's so much opportunity in, in education, so much opportunity in consulting for hotels and restaurants and, and other places. So that was some of the early, early things I started to do. Uh, so when, which year are we talking about? Roughly? So in 2009, I set up Sonal Holland Wine Academy, which at the time was the first and, and probably the only established uh, approved program provider for WSET courses in India. And I started that because I realized that if if there were more people to jump into this, this industry, there would have to be some sort of education available in India for professionals to blossom. So, so that was the first thing I started to do. I became a wine educator first. And then I started on the side, started consulting for hotels, restaurants, and doors started opening because wine being such a new subject and awareness about it, even back then was, was even lesser so. So, and and there weren't very many professionals at the time when I started. So I guess I, I, I was lucky because I got the first mover advantage. I had some pioneering advantage there. But I started to get a lot of work for with hotels, restaurants who wanted me to um, consult for them. My big job with the ITC hotels, which is India's second largest chain of luxury hotels with over 100 properties in India, landed to me while I was doing my Master of Wine Studies where they approached me to say, would you be our corporate beverage head, you know, looking after our wine program across the group. Now, normally a job like this lands to you after you become a master of wine, but I suppose because I was in a market like India, which is growing in a land of opportunity, as I like to call it, I was fortunate to be able to pursue that role even before I became one. But soon after I became a master of wine, I decided, no, I just wanted to be completely independent and, you know, be a full-on entrepreneur. So long story short, today uh, have an academy, we have a club called Soho Wine Club, which is more the B2C side of, of our activities. So, so what does do that mean, of, B2C? B2C is everything that we do with consumers. So we do events, we do curated experiences. We, we um, So th- the way we define wine club in India is slightly different because the thing is that you can't sell wine online in India. You know, it's, it's it, India bans advertising of alcohol and it also bans you from selling wine or any other alcoholic beverage online. So we don't really promote like that but the way we are allowed to do it is through experiential tastings and we have a huge community of wine lovers we have database and access to and so we all meet up and you know we organize events and it's it's and that's probably the best way to sort of market wines to this database so what's the demographic of people that are they young striving students uh, or are they middle-aged people that have leisure time you know i see them across all strata but i find that there is a there is a distinctive group of uh, very established wine drinkers who have been drinking wine and have been exposed to wine because of international travel. These are typically the well-heeled, more affluent class of people who enjoy and don't mind paying a bit of, you know, more money for expensive, iconic wines. And then there is this whole breed of new, you know, young millennials who, among many other things, I I must admit they're not wine loyalists, but wine occupies a definitive place in their drinking repertoire, who are coming to wine in a very big way. They're curious to learn. You know, statistics show, I mean, the research that I did, consumer research on India Wine Insider, clearly shows that uh, they know lesser about wine as compared to the earlier group that I mentioned but they drink wine more frequently and probably have a propensity to pay for more or pay more for a bottle of wine. Um, and they're curious. They're not daunted by the subject of wine. They they are not afraid to order wine in a restaurant. And uh, uh, they don't me- mind being guided by knowledgeable sommeliers and so on, although they do feel the frustration that a lot of this culture still doesn't exist in India. It's kind of evolving. Um, You're talking about the sommelier culture or the equality yeah, culture? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's kind of developing, but it's not 
not as as vibrant and as established as it, as it is in the US. Like yesterday, I was having a drink with a colleague here from the US, and they were telling me they have a proper established sommelier association, which is extremely active. And I suppose we don't have a body like that in India. It's all it's all very it's still very random. But we do what we do. We we continuously provide education, and 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 talent is up and coming. And and you know, like I started a wine retail business earlier this year, Monty. We launched a, a chain of wine shops this year, uh, which is... These are physical stores. These are physical stores. They are, and in fact, they are shop-in-shops concepts within a chain of stores called Food Hall. And Food Hall in India is our interpretation of what you call as the premium store, like a, like an M&S, for example, in the UK. Marks yeah? and Spencer. Marks and Spencers, yeah. So um, it's typically where the affluent people or expatriates would come to buy and purchase food products. And so we have all the shops within Food Hall uh, run by me and my team. Uh, licenses owned by us, and so we're not just being a consultant, but it's literally like starting a wine retail establishment. And we're seeing a great uptake for wines uh, by people who are happy that they are receiving proper advice about what wines to buy. They're able to see a wider selection of wines, and uh, there's some sort of a an experiential purchase uh, happening rather than more commoditized over the counter. Uh, so on. You know, traditionally in India, Indians would buy wine by sending their drivers or their house staff to a shop where wine would be stored very badly, probably, you know, in heated conditions. And you were, you'd stand uh, across a counter and the guy at the shop would ask you what you want. And you would just say you would have no idea. Whatever so you you've would got. basically whatever you've got within this price point. So it was a very transactional sort of a purchase. And I think it, retail in India is changing because it's now moving from more commoditized transactional purchase experience to more modern, sophisticated, specialized retail shops, you know, wine specializing in wine and, and premium beers. And we're we're seeing that I mean I'm I'm just glad I'm part of that revolution that's happening. So another string to your bow is is you do in depth market research. And yes. Research the Indian market. So, what are the trends and opportunities in the in the Indian market that your research has identified, and how are you going to fill the space? There are many. I mean, it's a ninety-six page report. I was fortunate because I was approached by Wine Intelligence in UK, which is the global benchmark for consumer research, and they said we we hadn't done any research in India yet, and we'd we'd love to launch a report, but you know we we're looking for someone to collaborate with, and uh, I was obviously very kicked and we did this and we launched a thorough survey of over 1,000 wine drinkers across five main consumption cities, which probably covers up over 80% of India's wine consumption in those cities. Those five cities, what were Those cities are Mumbai, Mm -hmm. Delhi, Delhi Gurgaon, Club Together, uh, Pune, Bangalore, uh, Hyderabad, have I said five? That's five, yeah. Yeah, that's five, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all, all places where test cricket takes place as well, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't think Tesco is in India yet. No, test cricket. Oh, Sorry. test cricket. <laughs> maybe. Sorry. Sorry, I thought I you said Tesco. <laughs> no, no, well, they may be there as well. Well, I'm thinking Tesco. I'm thinking Tesco will come and approach me. <laughs> so what's the, um, so this research across these cities, uh, obviously in depth, what, what did you glean from that? 
there's lots and lots of findings, but uh, some of the key things is, firstly, you know, India is growing both in volume as well as value, which is very interesting because we see markets internationally where volume may be increasing, but value is decreasing, or in some other markets where value may be increasing and volume is decreasing. Uh, I think India is a new emerging market for wine where both are on, on, a, on a major stride. Wine is growing at 14 to 15 percent consecutively, consistently over the last decade or so. Although industry claims that it could move faster because we're looking at a really tiny base, you know. Uh, so I don't disagree. But nonetheless, a 14% growth is a 14% growth for wine. And we have among the lowest per capita consumption yet. So it just you know, points to a, a massive opportunity in the future. What about uh, cultural norms? Culturally, though? what we, what is happening is wine is increasingly becoming more mainstream, is being consumed across a range of occasions, both on trade as well as off trade. Women are driving the wine consumption in India. Why this is unique is because traditionally women in India have not been encouraged to consume alcoholic beverages. But in this survey, it, it came out very starkly to us that women are not just enjoying wines, but have are receiving the blessings of of their family members and you know it's kind of fitting in well within the social strata of India because India can be quite traditional in that sense some of the most progressive families and some of the richest families also can be living in joint families and can have a very sort of a traditional fabric uh, where women are not really expected to be sitting with uh, whiskey on hard rocks you know it's, it's just a jarring image uh, so India has had those kind of social acceptance issues but I think with wine with its softer image, women are breaking those barriers and are coming out and are saying, you know, my mother-in-law doesn't mind me drinking a glass of wine or my husband, in fact, quite enjoys that I drink a glass of wine and I'm able to join him over a conversation over an alcoholic beverage. So traditionally, it was men sitting separately, women in their little hubs kind of doing their talking at parties and so on. But I think wine is bringing, is improving the quality of marriages in India. Well, <laughs> in we, we, could, we could talk about that, but it's a, Millennials family, too, as it's I a family show. So it is probably... a family show. Yeah, exactly. We'll get right back to the Italian Wine Podcast after a quick reminder that this episode is made possible by the book Sangiovese, Lambrusco, and Other Vine Stories, available on Amazon in Europe and Kindle Worldwide. Obviously, it looks like um, big steps are being made in India in terms of acceptance of wine and also of consumption and education. Yes. Where do you see the next trend? Is it just a question now of just continuing the work in, in getting yeah, people just familiarizing themselves? Yeah, I think so. I think themselves? rather than introduce anything new uh, completely, I think it's very important that we harness what the trends that exist and we're able to fully make use of these trends and are able to market wine effectively to make sure that we fully, I, I hate to use the word exploited, but have fully utilized the opportunity ahead of us. I find myself talking a lot to wine companies in India, trying to sort of, have a dialogue with them about how best to market wines and how best to make it approachable, accessible to all these new segments. You know, we have the affluent class, we have the millennials, we have the ladies. We also have a, a thriving health conscious population, you know, who are who are wanting to drink wine because they see wine as a healthier alternative. I don't know if you know this, Monty, but we are the world's largest consumer of whiskey in the world. India drinks more whiskey than Scotland produces. So, but this is with the more older generation. Now they're facing a lot of health issues 
and doctors are actively advising Indian patients that, you know, get off whiskey and if you must drink and enjoy a glass or two of wine. Now, obviously, these doctors are doing up some reading or maybe they're not. I don't know. They're being guided by something that is making them feel, okay, let me advise my patients to drink wine instead of whiskey because it's, you know, they're probably likely to drink lesser volumes of it. You know, I would be satisfied with two glasses. So um, a lot of that health revolution is happening. Attitudes towards wine is different because people wanting to drink wine is more driven by the fact that uh, they want to try different styles, you know, so the diversity of wine fascinates them. So where, where does Italy fit into that, given it's got more native grapes than any other country? Yes. Yeah, so part of what I'm going to be speaking about this afternoon is that Italy needs to needs to really play its trump cards, which is diversity being a major trump card. You know, but how does how does how does Italy do that successfully in a in a market? I'll tell you what Italy does like really India. successfully in India. They they do a lot of food and wine shows. They do a lot of food and wine events. A lot of food and wine experiences. So I've seen the ITA, the the Italian Trade uh, Agency, very active, and also the consulate and the embassies, very very active in sponsoring and partnering with various food related festivals. So you know, Italy has always been about food and wine, food and wine. Uh, I think where there's an opportunity opportunity is uh, to also look into tourism because there's a lot of Indians traveling to Italy. Statistics show that about 1 million Indians travel to Italy for various purposes, trade purposes and so on. And we have an excellent relationship with Italy. We have 70 plus years of Indo-Italian relations that have never been strained, uh, have never been an argument or at crossroads with each other. Our prime ministers get along fairly well. I'm getting slightly political here. But what I mean to say is a lot of Indians enjoy doing trade with Italian companies. And I think they travel to Italy because of that. And I think it's a fabulous opportunity to make this audience captive, make them travel to Italian wine regions. Because studies globally show if you've been to a wine region and you've experienced wine there, you're going to come back a loyalist. You're going to come back having an emotional connect. And you're going to want to drink wines only from those countries. My research also shows that uh, whilst consumers have very low awareness about grape varieties and regions of origins uh, in wines. In terms of countries other than India, France and Italy are the two top recall regions in the old world particularly. In the new world, of course, we have Australia and, and, and USA. But in the new world, it's French and Italy. And I think what I'm trying to say is Italy Consumers think of Italy as fine wines, as a, as a generic, you know, as a, as an overgeneralized statement. I think when, when consumers go to a wine shop and they say, I want a wine from Italy, they're thinking in their heads and they're trying to communicate to the shop owner that I'm looking for something of quality and not asking you for something yeah. that is rubbish, cheap you know, cheerful, yeah. or cheap and cheerful. So there's a direct association with fine wines, even if you're selling him something inexpensive and everyday drinking. So Italy enjoys that special position in a consumer's mind in India. And I think that needs to be played upon, that that, that can be really harnessed. But you've got a lot on your plate already, yes. Sonal. Yeah. Sonal Holland, Master of Wine, and um, let's hope uh, the Italian producers take on board some of the suggestions that you've made. It's been a fascinating whirlwind tour around India. We could have talked probably for a couple of hours. Yes. So you'll have to come back and... Um, You're going to have to go... You, I, my final word of advice cool. is if you want to know more about India is you have to visit India. It's a fascinating place. We have a lot in common in, with Italy. You know, we love fashion as Italy does. Uh, you you we, are incredibly we, glamorously dressed. I have to yeah, we love family. We love food. You know, we're, we're, we're culturally very alike. So I, I would like to invite every Italian and a producer 
us here to visit India and understand us uh, firsthand. Open offer. There we go. Senator Holland, Master Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you so uh, much. It's work, been a whirlwind, but um, very enlightening. It's an area of, or, sorry, India's an area I just don't know at all, nothing about the market, and you've encapsulated it very concisely. Thank you. We're here to help. Thank you. Thank you. Listen to all of our pods on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Himalaya FM and on italianwinepodcast.com. Don't forget to send your tweets to at Podcast.